Hello, welcome to episode 38 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast, brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm, here as always with Adam Kruzenblatt, and with the NHL now having made its final cuts ahead of the 2023-24 regular season, this week we will take you through which WHL prospects stuck with the big league teams and which ones were sent down. We'll also cover the latest news from around the WHL in our headline segment, and uh, then we've got a supersized three stars of the week for you uh, this week because Adam had some trouble making up his mind. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers are our team of the week, and uh, we will also finish off with a look ahead at Adam's WHL Game of the Week and a blast from the past with this week in WHL history. Uh, and uh, we will finish up with a little bit of a throwback to our final segment from last season, since it is Connor Bedard's NHL debut night as we are recording. We will... Uh, have a, a special encore Connor Bedard report for you to wrap things up today. So uh, starting off with headlines today, we are beginning with a little bit of a celebratory note uh, as Portland Winter Hawks coach Mike Johnson logged his 500th career win in the WHL last Friday night when uh, the Winter Hawks defeated Everett by a score of 4-1. to one. He's the 11th coach in WHL history to hit that milestone. Um, joining a group that also includes Don Hay, Brent Sutter, and Sean Cluson from the Kamloops Blazers, who hit the 500 win mark last season. Uh, the Winterhawks are off to a very fast start. They're 4-1 in their first five games and uh, couldn't help but notice that they were number one in the CHL top 10 rankings. So uh, top team in the uh, in the nation right now. So uh, it's cool that we uh, that we had them sort of pegged to talk about even before we see those lists. Um, Portland is perennially good, but I feel like they kind of got lost in the shadow of Seattle maybe a little bit last year. So uh, we uh, are going to have to uh, make a little bit more of a point of keeping an eye on, on what they're up to down in uh, down in Oregon this year. Yeah. So when we look at Mike Johnston, Mike Johnson's tenure in the WHL, it's clear that, you know, he's one of the best coaches in the last decade. And, you know, when we do that look over in WHL history, he'll probably be, you know, a top five, maybe even close to the top three coach by the end of his career, because I don't see him retiring after this season. And I believe on the Portland broadcast, they said that things kind of play out the way that people in Portland think he could get up to seventh this year. So that will be uh, something to uh, watch, but yeah, you know, he's been very impressive. He's been uh, with the winter Hawks for all, but two and a half seasons since uh, 2008. Um, and he's helped guys like Ryan Johansson, Nino Niederreiter, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Seth Jones and Seth Jarvis uh, make their way through the WHL and onto the uh, NHL at this point. So uh, during his uh, 13 seasons with the organization, they've only missed once uh, the postseason, and that was in his first year in 2008-2009. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. And he's helped uh, guide them to uh, multiple uh, WHL finals during that time. Um, he also had uh, an opportunity in the NHL with Pittsburgh. Uh, that came, uh, that was short, but, you know, it's great to see those WHL uh, coaches get that opportunity. Um, but we do have one note. Uh, there was some controversy kind of during his tenure um, after an investigation uh, determined that he and the Winterhawks had committed multiple violations over an extended period for player benefits that uh, were not permitted under WHO uh, regulations and also weren't disclosed. So um, 
he was suspended for a good chunk of the 2012-2013 season. That was the year that they went to the Memorial Cup. Uh, and the team was also fined $20,000 and forfeited a lot of draft picks, uh, including every first rounder from 2013-2017. So um, when we look back at that, uh, that incident and that investigation, uh, Portland did release a statement about that. So it included things like flying players and families out, uh, families of players out to games, paying for summer training, and in one case, covering uh, the cell phone of um, a player. So uh, I know Portland and Mike Johnson felt like the punishment didn't fit the crime at that time. Um, but even if you take that incident out, uh, Still a pretty, uh, pretty miraculous career up until this point. Yeah, and uh, and just to clarify, the the fine was actually two hundred thousand dollars, not twenty thousand. So uh, oh. uh, a little little more change out of the pockets of the uh, of the owners of the uh, of the Winterhawks. So they but they went back and stood behind their man um, after, as you mentioned, his eighteen months in Portland or in uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins in the NHL. Um, by the beginning of the 2016 season, he was back with the Winterhawks, and that's where he has been ever since. Um, I took a bit of a peek at his uh, at his Elite Prospects page as well, and I didn't realize that, uh, like so many Canadians, his uh, hockey roots through his family run all over the place. And uh, to my surprise, I had no idea that uh, Rebecca Johnston, the, uh, the fixture from the uh, Canadian women's national team, is actually his niece. Um, and the name is just a little bit too common for me to have ever sort of twigged those together. It's, uh, you know, you, you don't necessarily think it when it's a name like Johnson, but uh, very interesting to find that out uh, that, that Rebecca is part of his family tree as well. Um, so congratulations to Mike Johnson on his 500 wins. And uh, as you say, many more to come this year, and uh, especially with the way that the Winterhawks are rolling to get things started. Uh, Second headline, uh, we had to add this all in on Tuesday as we recorded because uh, the WHL's penchant for making big trades is uh, rising to the surface early and often already. Uh, so we had three trades come down on Tuesday, uh, and we'll start with the one in Edmonton where the Oil Kings acquired forward Rowan Woodward from Everett in exchange for a fifth rounder in 2026. Yeah, so this is an 18-year-old uh, center who has 113 games of experience in the WHL. And I don't think that Edmonton expected to get off to the strong start that they did. So I think that this is just bringing in a player who has some experience to kind of solidify that young group. We've talked about Edmonton, you know, having this really young roster. So anytime you have the opportunity to bring in a player with over 100 games of experience in the WHL to kind of help those forwards, help those young players develop, uh, it's a positive move. Uh, and then the other two trades were both uh, involving the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, first off, they got 19-year-old defenseman Graydon Seatman from Calgary in exchange for 17-year-old defenseman Fraser Leonard and three picks. Yeah, so uh, Seatman finished last season with 43 points in 61 games, and he was invited to the Boston Bruins uh, rookie camp this offseason. Um, this is a mobile defenseman who has an ability to put up points. And uh, Saskatoon, you know, they have a strong defense core. So adding him in there uh, should, like, enhance their and make them one of the strongest in the league. So I'll be interested to see if they partner him up with uh, Tanner Mullendike or if they kind of spread the wealth around on their uh, decor. 
Got it. And then uh, up front, the Blades acquired Easton Armstrong, who uh, is going to get some uh, some airtime a little bit later in the show uh, for what he did uh, with the Wenatchee Wild this week. Yeah, so Wenatchee uh, selling high on uh, Easton, who um, we'll talk about later, but was the WHL uh, Player of the Week. So the price for uh, his services ended up being uh, two picks, so a third in 2025 and a conditional uh, six in uh, 2027. Um, oh, so far, nine points in four games. Uh, he has been very strong. Even when he wasn't putting up points, he was still uh, having these strong games uh, with the Wenatchee Wild. So he was one of the bright spots out of that uh, organization. Um, this came down to, you know, the 20-year-old decision that was that came down Tuesday today. All the teams have to figure out their 20-year-olds. So um, it's just the sometimes this happens, but. He's going to get a massive opportunity in Sa- in Saskatoon. Um, and, you know, I kind of look at this as this is kind of Saskatoon and the Blades saying, well, you know, Red Deer made a big trade last week. So we're going to make big trades this week because you remember Red Deer picked up uh, Kalen Parker and uh, Braden Sherman from Victoria. So we talked about this in the preseason that Saskatoon and Red Deer are probably going to be those teams that are battling out for the Memorial Cup. Uh, birth and you know that eastern conference final so these moves are kind of like each team building up and like building up their organization a little bit more for that kind of battle that we already think is going to happen in what like six seven months from now so it's it's exciting to see these trades get done early and not at the trade deadline so that they have a little bit more time to gel as a team and you know if this way red deer and saskatoon now that they're going to have this longer runway, they can go at the trade deadline and say, okay, we need this part or we need this part. Like there's less, there's more time for everybody to gel together and more time for the organization to assess what is actually going on uh, in those two cities. Well, I wouldn't relax if I were you because I remember the trade starting about this time last year and they just kept going all the way through to the deadline. So whether it's these teams or others, uh, I expect that this will be a regular segment in our show for uh, for many weeks to come until we get to January. Um, also, just wanted to mention that for Wenatchee, um, the process of accumulating picks um, is not really a surprise. When I spoke to the Wenatchee GM, Bliss Littler, for my story in the summer, uh, he was very well aware of the fact that the cupboards were utterly bare in terms of all the deals that Winnipeg had made for their run to the to the WHL final last year and uh, felt a real responsibility to get some picks so that he has something for his scouts to work with for this new team. So um, in that respect, it's uh, you know kind of a win-win thing that they're accomplishing an organizational goal as well. Uh, moving on, we've got uh, one player that signed his new shiny NHL contract this week, and that was uh, undrafted defenseman Sage Weinstein from the Spokane Chiefs, who uh, is now a member of the Colorado or Avalanche organization. Yeah, so um, uh, Weinstein is a player that I really liked going into the draft, and I was surprised that he didn't get drafted. Um, I think we've talked about players I was surprised didn't get drafted uh, in the last couple of weeks, but I was this one was definitely one. I think maybe playing in Spokane like the fact that Spokane had a not a great season last year and didn't get the coverage necessarily that may have hurt him but good on Colorado's scouts for noticing the oh, his overall talent and uh jumping on this opportunity early 
Good size at 6'1", 185 pounds, uh, according to the, uh, the NHL's website. Um, he's one of those players that doesn't that likes to join the rush from the blue line. So when you kind of watch him play, you can see how smart he is and setting himself up in the offensive zone or moving the puck uh, up the ice. So he's always looking for that open ice and he's always calling for the puck, trying to set up, whether that's through a pass or a shot. So this is a very intelligent player on the blue line who knows how to produce uh, offensively in a strong and defensive zone. So yeah, like I said, uh, good on Chris McFarland, who adds another uh, solid uh, defensive prospect to their system. And uh, in some ways, the Avalanche are sort of the older cousins of the Wenatchee Wild slash Winnipeg Ice because they don't have a whole lot of picks in their system right now either because of uh, loading up for their uh, their multiple runs for uh, for the playoffs in the Stanley Cup. So they are really short on defense prospects in their early 20s, except for the Kale McCarr and Bowen Byron, who are already in the NHL. Um, so Weinstein really fills a nice slot there as uh, somebody who you know, sort of could have been drafted in 2023, but the Avs only had like three picks or something. So um, it's kind of like they're adding another guy to their to their draft pool from this draft class. So uh, that sort of makes sense. Uh, now moving on to our fourth headline. Uh, we got nostalgic because it's almost time for the World U17 Challenge again. And uh, we both had a great time covering that here in the uh, in the Lower Mainland last year. So uh, we've got a couple of WHL coaches who will be involved this year when the event moves out to uh, Prince Edward Island. Um, and that's uh, Brendan Sauna from uh, Saskatoon and assistant GM, assistant coach Matt Anholt from Lethbridge, uh, who are both going to be assistant coaches for the Canadian squads. Uh, out in in PEI next month. Yeah, so um, this tournament runs November uh, 2nd to 11th. Um, It's a great opportunity to see some of the best uh, 2007 players from uh, across the world. The rosters haven't been released yet, but just looking at who to... Some of the WHLers that we expect to be on that team include Medicine Hat Tigers, uh, Gavin McKenna, who had a hat trick uh, this past uh, weekend, Regina Pat's Cole Temple, who's really um been a bright spot in Regina Vancouver Giants uh Cameron Schmidt who has an amazing shot and Calgary Hitman's uh Reese Hamilton who's coming along very uh well on a established Calgary team so you know there's going to be plenty of uh players to watch plenty of exciting hockey to watch during that time multiple Canadian teams and yeah talk about nostalgia that was that means that uh you and I have known each other for a year which is kind of crazy uh to think uh based off of everything that we've done in the past year, from the Memorial Cup to this tournament, to the top prospects, to this podcast. It, yeah, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty cool to look back on a year. Yeah, on the one hand, it feels like a year is not that long. I feel like I've known you longer, but uh, um, yeah, that was sort of where it all began as you sort of guided me around the Langley Event Center and made sure I didn't get lost and found my way to the uh, interview areas and all that good stuff. Now I can almost do it all by myself. So uh, thank you for that. Um, Finally, we will wrap up with the big headline of the week, which is, of course, WHL players who made the opening night NHL rosters. And uh, as I think I mentioned already, we're recording here uh, Tuesday evening and uh, Connor Bedard's NHL debut is in process right now on the TV across the room from me. So forgive me if my eyes wander a little bit while I sort of keep an eye on, on what's up there. We'll talk a little bit about that, more about that later. But uh, you wanted to mention, uh, show some love for some of the other guys who have also uh, cracked NHL lineups tonight and this week. 
Yeah, so we're going to start in Buffalo with Zach Benson, um, you know, 13th overall in June. A lot of people had questions about his size. Um, that Those questions uh, look like they've been answered because Benson is going to be not just on the Sabres opening night roster, but on their first line, it looks like, uh, besides Tage Thompson. So what a story out of Buffalo. This is a, you know, a kid who's worked really hard. Uh Worked really hard in uh, Winnipeg with the ice last year. Um, and you kind of look at Buffalo's prospects. Uh, and, you know, we're not going to say that. It, I'm, I'm, I think saying that Benson making the team year one, or at least getting this nine game trial is a little bit surprising. But you look at just Buffalo has one of the best, you know, U25, U23 group of players in the NHL. And like, you're like, we thought that Yuri Kulich had an opportunity to make the, um, the NHL. And if you said at the draft that Zach Benson was going to be on the team and Yuri Kulich wasn't, I don't think, I think a lot of people would think that you were kind of crazy at that point. So it's great to see, um, uh, the uh, WHLer making the, uh, team and hopefully, uh, the Buffalo Sabres, uh, give him some love. Yeah. Um, I have heard that he might play a little bit farther down the lineup, but Don Granato has been very, um, at ease about that, where he just feels that Benson has done great wherever he's put him. And so it's not any sort of a slight on him, but just sort of doing what's best for the team. And yeah, this one spot in the forward group basically came open because of Jack Quinn's offseason training injuries. So eventually Quinn will be back. And as you mentioned, uh, those players like, uh, like Kulich and, uh, and, and Lucas. Rusek, if I'm getting that correct, they shouldn't be doing this off the top of my head. Um, but he's also been playing really well in Rochester, so he's another guy who could end up getting a call up as a you know old man of 22 or something, depending on how things go. But uh, yeah, for now, you know, have at her Benson, and let's uh, let's see what you got. Um, meanwhile, in Toronto, um, I imagine there's no way that you didn't hear that Fraser Minton has made the Maple Leafs. <laughs> Yeah, can we just uh, repeat that for a second? That Fraser Minton is an NHL player as of right now. Uh, y- you know, a year after he's drafted, uh, on one of the what people consider a Stanley Cup favorite, I would say in Toronto. Well, people in Toronto consider them a Stanley Cup favorite. <laughs> uh, but a very, very deep team. Uh, and Fraser Minton, the the Vancouver boy from playing for the Camus Blazers, is on that roster. So, um, I, I like this. I I think that this one is a little bit more surprising than Benson. Like, I we knew that Fraser Minton was good, but I don't know if we thought that he was going to make the jump this early. But you look back in how the Leafs were talking about him and Dr. Haley Wickenheiser, what she had to say about him uh, last year pr- uh, during the Memorial Cup, like. The Leafs love this guy. So I know that the reason he's on the team, he earned his spot, but there's also like cap ramifications of why he's on the team. Um, but I'm excited to see how, what he can do at the NHL level. And even if it is nine games or less than nine games, that's still a, a pretty cool accomplishment uh, in your second year. Yeah, I guess the only people that are bummed about it are uh, the Camelot Blazers and their fans who are like, uh, we could really use him right about now. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. A couple of uh, Seattle Thunderbirds are also still hanging around. Um, Colton Dock is on season opening injured reserve for Chicago. So he is in the organization, but not doing anything. Meanwhile, uh, Kevin Korczynski is uh, playing a top four role on the blue line. 
and uh, got to take the rookie lap with Connor Bernard, which uh, I'm sure is a kind of bit of a strange bedfellow situation for those two WHLers, but uh you know, some, a little bit of familiarity between them as well. And uh, a moment that uh, I'm sure both of them will never forget. They're bonded forever on that little video clip now. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for Korczynski in a way because it's like it's his NHL debut and he's a 19 year old defenseman. And it's and everybody is like doing, you know, I was watching the first period of the Blackhawks game and I'm pretty sure that they didn't go like a minute without mentioning Connor Bedard's name. And here's like, you know, another first rounder defenseman from the WHL. So I, I'm sure that Kevin Korczynski isn't thinking about that. He's thinking about, um, you know, being in the NHL, but. And stopping uh, Sidney Crosby. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but yeah, he deserves some credit as well. You know, that's a major accomplishment, especially for how old he is. Uh, and the Blackhawks have three rookies on their blue line, too. Korczynski is the youngest, but uh, there are two others on the other pairs as well. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be an uphill battle for them to, uh, to to stay competitive this year. But I still am very excited to see their chances. Um, also, just wanted to quickly mention a couple of other uh, injured players. Matt Savoy is still officially on Buffalo's roster, but he and he's skating now, but he is still also on season opening injured reserve and uh, won't get returned to Anachi until he's healthy. Um, Chase, Chase Wheatcroft, who was signed as a free agent by Dallas, is also on season opening injured reserve for the Dallas Stars. So he is still officially in the uh, in the big club organization. And uh, Sam Hunzik has kind of gotten lost in Never Neverland somewhere between here and Calgary. Um, he was injured in his last preseason game with the Flames. We're supposed to be getting sent back to Vancouver, but now it sounds like the injury is a little bit more serious and it's going to keep him out for a bit. And uh, last, I think we heard he is still in Calgary and is being looked at by the Flames medical team, but I didn't see him on any of the roster lists today. So, um, um, you know, I hope that means that he's going to pop up in Langley sooner rather than later and get uh, get back to work for the Giants. Yeah, we'll see what uh, happens um, with Hanzik and then, you know, some other names that um, WHLers who were in the league last year who are will start the league uh, in the HL. A couple of other Kamloops Blazers. So Olin Zellweger with the Anaheim Ducks organization and Logan Stankoven. So uh, those will definitely be two players that we uh, keep an eye on as they lit up the league the last uh, couple of years. Um, and then a couple of other uh, WHLers who did get sent back to their teams at the bitter end as well. Um, Nate Danielson uh, from Detroit, Denton Matejchuk from Columbus, and Owen Pickering has also been returned to Swift Current now, even though he didn't really get to do much with uh, the Penguins camp because he was injured, I think, during their during their rookie camp. So um, I think that has you up to date on everybody for now. Of course, these situations are always fluid. There was only one player from the 2022 draft who actually cracked that nine game threshold last season. And that was Yuri Slavkoski and only five guys from that draft class who um, played any NHL games at all. So uh, I feel like we've got a lot to watch from the class of both 22 and 23 right now from the, uh, from the WHL. And I am pumped. And uh, if Bedard does score while we're doing this, I might not be able to control myself. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Anyways, let's move on to our four stars of the week. Um, in no particular order, we have two third stars, but uh, you wanted to start off with uh, Washington Capitals prospect and uh, dazzling winger Andrew Crystal from the Kelowna Rockets. 
So yes, um, Crystal has been on fire since returning from the uh, Capitals on September 29th. So in four games this week, he put up eight points, and one of those was a five-point day in a wild uh, 9-7 loss to Victoria on Thanksgiving Monday. Uh, that was an interesting game because it was, uh, I think the score was 4-1, and then it ended up being 9-7. So uh, th- that game just exploded with offense, which is what you love to see. And uh, a little fun fact, courtesy of the Rockets, is that Crystal has four five-point games in his career so far, and three of those have happened on uh, the ninth of the month. So just a little fun little stat there. Uh, he seems to love... Uh, the ninth of uh, whatever month he's playing on. So if you uh, line up against Kelowna on the ninth of November, December, January, whatever, uh, just be prepared. <laughs> uh, you may get a crystal attack. Uh, now your other third star from Saskatoon is a uh, 19-year-old Brandon Lazowski, uh, a winger who was snapped up by Toronto in the seventh round in 2022. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, Lazowski had a solid game this week, a hat trick against Edmonton on Wednesday, then a two goal performance against Regina on Sunday. So he's now uh, has points in five of his six first six games of the season. And uh, Saskatoon is has a four and one record uh, when he gets uh, a point. So that's always a positive. He's not the biggest winger out there, but he does have a great shot and he isn't afraid to use it. He's among the league leaders in shots on goal. And uh, as of before the games today on Tuesday, he was I think, tied for 15th uh, in shots. So another Leafs prospect uh, that we're talking about today that has some uh, potential behind him. Awesome. All right, moving on to the second star. Uh, we've got second year import Andre Becker from Czechia, and uh, he's patrolling right wing for uh, for Prince George this year. Yeah, so third straight week of Prince George Cougar makes our three stars list, but the first time it's not in the first star selection. So <laughs> un- undrafted 19 uh, year old Ford uh, scored a goal in all four of the Cougars games over the past week and finished with five goals and eight points uh, during those games. He's already up to 19 points in eight games, which is kind of crazy because he only had 38 points in 63 games uh, last year. So I think it's safe to say based off the fact that Prince George is putting up, you know, like eight goals a game that uh, he's going to break his uh, career high pretty soon. Uh, oh, and Sidney Crosby just scored, so that doesn't get Bedard any closer to uh, getting his first NHL point. But uh, worth noting that it is now 2 nothing for the Penguins. Um, no slight to our first star of the week, especially because he already took up some airtime earlier in the podcast. Um, as mentioned, Easton Armstrong had himself a, a, a pretty amazing few days, and uh, He'll be uh, riding the bus to the airport. And actually, they're still on the road. But metaphorically speaking, he will be leaving Wenatchee on uh, a very high note as our first star of the week. Yeah, so he was an attendant at LA Kings camp and uh, has uh, come back with a strong impression in a short time. So he's from California, in uh, um, which is great to see that the WHL is expanding and having that influence in California and that you have these California players coming. Uh, to play in the WHL, but he had five goals and seven points in two games this past weekend and scored both game-winning goals. A uh, versatile player who can score in the power play, shorthanded and in overtime. Um, he should be a pretty strong boost to that Saskatoon uh, game, or Saskatoon team that, like we mentioned, has that Memorial Cup uh, birth hope in them uh, early on in the season. Got it. And uh, speaking of California... 
We will move on now to our NHL team of the week. And while the Edmonton Oilers themselves are not obviously in California, their farm team in Bakersfield certainly is. And uh, that is where most of their WHL prospects will be residing this season. They don't have any new WHLers um, in their pipeline at the moment, but they do have, um, as things stand, six players on the Condors roster as the AHL rosters get finalized and they get ready to uh, kick off their season this weekend. Yeah, so we'll start with the most notable and a player I did not realize was already in their 30s, and that is Calvin Pickard, uh, former Seattle Thunderbirds goaltender. Um, He's already at 12 seasons in the AHL, which is you know, there's kind of those players that you remember playing in junior and you don't remember how long ago they were playing. And then you're like, oh, they've been playing in the league in like pro for over a decade and it kind of shocks you for a second. Calvin Pickard was like that when I uh, looked up his uh, statistics uh, for this. Um, yeah, I've always liked Calvin Pickard uh, and we'll see what he does in his uh, second year in Bakersfield. And then uh, some other players in uh Red Deer Rebels forward Jaden Grube, uh, winger Jake Chason, who played for Brandon and Saskatoon last year, and uh, defenseman uh, Max Wehner, uh, who was with the uh, Moose Jaw Warriors. Yeah, I've um, had a chance to talk to Ken Holland a couple of times about the prospect pool in Edmonton, and uh, much like uh, the other GM that I mentioned earlier, Bliss Littler, Holland also feels uh, sad and regretful about the fact that he doesn't have more draft picks and more prospects to spread out to his uh, to his scouting staff because of the uh, Edmonton Oilers being in the, the win now mode of their arc as well. But um, he's it, definitely his scouting background shows through when you talk to him. He really has a strong awareness of all these players and uh, was very excited about acquiring group before he was about to um, be the New York Rangers were going to surrender his his rights because they weren't going to sign him within the two years since he was drafted. And so the Oilers picked him up for a late round, round draft pick. And uh, Holland's pretty pumped about that. And uh, he also really likes Max Weiner. So uh, that's uh, those are a couple players that are cool. I uh, just wanted to add a thought quickly on Calvin Pickard as well. Um, I covered him at World Championships one year, and I honestly can't remember. I think it was the year in Russia in 2016. Um, but I was shocked with your um, with your info that um, that he's played 12 seasons in the AHL. Like that to me is like the AHL is supposed to be somewhere that you kind of either go through on the way up and then maybe a little bit at the end of your career. But that's sort of he's played for a whole ton of different teams and and. Even when he's had NHL time, he seems to always like that almost every year he lands back in the A at some point in time. So um, as you mentioned, he's 31 and it's his 12th season. So the math basically says that, uh, you know, he's doing some time in the uh, always hungry league at some point every year. Uh, so uh, good on him for sticking with it and uh, and still, you know, delivering quality net minding for, uh, for Bakersfield for sure. A um, couple other players that are in their organization, uh, James Hamblin, who is, 24 now and uh, he was the captain of medicine hat for three years before signing as a free agent with bakersfield in 2020 and uh lane peterson just cleared waivers and will be with bakersfield as well he's uh an undrafted 27 year old depth center who might be the biggest star that the abbotsford connects ever had when he went on that insane run last year um, which again when i looked up the numbers are like even crazier than i remembered he scored 17 goals in eight AHL games so uh, it's no wonder when the Canucks had to put him back up back on waivers that he got snatched away at point but uh, couldn't uh, couldn't parlay that into uh, an NHL job this year and uh, he'll be back in Bakersfield this year as well 
Yeah, and then um, we have quite a few players at the NHL level. Um, I, I would say the most notable is uh, Leon Dreisaitl, who, uh, um, you know, kicked off that trend of high-end German players coming over and playing in the WHL. Uh, he was initially with uh, Prince Albert. Um, because he was drafted out of the WHL, he was subjected to those the CHL, NHL transfer agreement uh, rules. Uh, which put good junior players uh, between kind of a rock and a hard place. We've seen that quite a bit this year, and there's been quite a lot of talk about that. Uh, But in Leon's case, he played uh, 37 games with the Oilers before being returned to the Kelowna Rockets, who acquired him in a trade uh, where he went on uh, to the uh, Memorial Cup uh, with Kelowna in 2015 before they lost to Oshawa. Um, yeah, Leon was born in October, so he was eligible for the AHL in his uh, draft plus two season, I guess, in the fall of 2015. Um, but uh, once that happened, he only played six games in Bakersfield. <laughs> um, he only had two points, but then he got recalled to Edmonton and uh, obviously hasn't looked back with uh, heart trophies and scoring titles and all sorts of amazing accomplishments. Um, so it says a lot about what Dreisaitl has accomplished that uh, on this list, he overshadows Ryan Nugent Hopkins as a first overall pick um, out of the WHL from uh, from 2011 who went straight into the NHL after he was drafted, even though he was, uh, I will politely say, not the most physically mature player in the world when he was drafted at age 18. Um, he only played two seasons in the dub, basically, and a few games the prior year. And I assume some of that probably had to do with that physical maturity element as well. Like once he started to get good, he got good really fast um, and uh, has basically stayed in the NHL for his whole career. So Props to him for that, not just for the 104-point season last year, which is very cool to see, but um, also for the fact that the only games that he ever played in the AHL were uh, during the 2012-13 lockout. And as soon as the NHL got back in business, then uh, he was back playing with the Oilers again. Yeah, um, I've always been a huge uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins fan. Um, I He's one of those players that, I remember for years they were always talking about like will the Oilers trade him? Will the Oilers trade him? But he seems to be that not that first overall pick that outside of McDavid, obviously that stuck around. You know, Oilers have traded a couple uh, first overall picks uh, in in their uh, in the last decade or so. But yeah, entering his thirteenth NHL season, that's another one that's a little bit crazy, especially when you consider that, um, yeah, that he's only twenty nine years old. Um, but we obviously see that uh, Oilers have some pretty good uh, center depth in McDavid, Dreisaitl, and uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, and the uh, the Blackhawks have just scored, and 98 was on the ice. I think he gets the primary assist on that one. Uh, oh, that's classic. No, oh, maybe not. He is on the ice, but we'll have to we'll have to wait for the uh, the scoring play to come down. But uh, it's a it's a plus one for sure, and a two one game now for. Uh, for Pittsburgh as we get into the uh, late second period. Uh, So we'll see how that shakes down. But yes, I was totally listening to everything that you were saying about Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and I'm in complete agreement about about it all. Uh, There's a few other dub guys who are also on the Oilers' big club, so I'll just run through those quickly. We've got uh, Evander Kane and Brett Kulak, who both played for the Vancouver Giants. Uh, Stuart Skinner, who played for Lethbridge and Swift Current, won a WHL championship with Swift Current and scored a goalie goal while he was with Lethbridge. So that's uh, that's, that's my uh, Stuart Skinner fun fact from the WHL. 
Derek Ryan is also still hanging in on the Oilers main roster as a depth guy. Um, he grew up in Spokane, played for the Chiefs, and then went the Canadian University route, which is certainly an interesting path. But he went to the University of Alberta and then went on to play for both Alberta teams in the NHL as well, with, um, playing both in Calgary and now in Edmonton. So he's like a Spokanean who's an honorary Albertan somehow. And uh, now at age 36, continues to be a super valuable depth guy in the, uh, in the Edmonton organization. Uh, of course, the Oilers, I don't know if they're in town yet, but they will be soon uh, kicking off their their NHL season with back to back games against the Canucks uh, starting at Rogers Arena on Wednesday night. So we'll see how that goes and, now. And oh, we do have Bedard's official first point in the NHL, a secondary assist on that Ryan Donato opening goal. So Bedard is on the board at the NHL level. Fantastic. And uh I yeah I um I I'm hoping for the upset I I I, I want uh, all those people who are like Chicago is not going to win any games to uh, find themselves in a little bit of uh, doubt after this game is over but uh, yeah by the time y'all listen to this you can laugh at me for wanting that if it does not come to pass and they don't come back anyways uh, game of the week segment from the WHL uh, what were your thoughts on your pick from last week between Moose John Moose and Hat. They played a good game. It wasn't, you know, the offensive fireworks I predicted. I think I said like a 7-6 game or something, but 4-3, um, you know, the teams played hard till the end. So that was an exciting matchup. And uh, we'll look ahead to this week, um, a Friday night showdown in uh, Tri-City where the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, face off against the Americans. So um, there's a couple of different reasons why I like this game. Uh, First off, it's kind of the battle of the big teams. So when I say that, I mean like size and physicality. These are two of the biggest, like size-wise and biggest like physical-wise uh, teams in the league. So I think that that's always exciting to see that size on size go against each other. Um, and then we also get to see what a Nate Danielson looks like because the I assume he'll be back in the lineup by then and. He gets to go up against Lucas Dragasevic, who was also drafted in this past draft by uh, the Seattle Kraken. So we'll get to see who wins that battle. Will it be uh, Nate Danielson or uh, Lucas Dragasevic who comes out on top? Um, I'm also curious to see uh, how Brandon's 30% power play matches up against Tri-City. Now, they're only at 80%, but remember, these statistics are a little bit wonky because they've only played four games. But Tri-City has one of the best penalty kills. They're a defensively-minded team. So that number will go up, but it's it, there's just a lot of intrigue in this game. I don't think it's going to be a 7-6 game. I would be, if it's a 3-1 game or a 3-2 game or something like that, I think it's still going to be exciting regardless of the final outcomes. Awesome. And uh, to uh, continue on now, we're going to try something new. We've got a uh, This Week in WHL History segment for you. And uh, we're going to tie this into Mike Johnson and his 500 wins uh, and uh, take you back a decade to uh, 2013. Yeah, so at first when I picked this, I didn't realize it was a decade ago. Uh, but I that just is me not realizing that we're in the year 2023 and not a different year, which I guess is fair after everything that's gone on the last couple of years. But uh, we'll take you back to October 12, 2013. So the Winter Hawks, after starting off strong, they had back-to-back -back losses against the Kelowna Rockets in Kelowna. So they were looking for a bounce back. 
Uh, they returned to uh, Portland in front of 7,700 fans and beat the Kamloops Blazers 7-4. to four. Uh, It was an exciting game with some of the uh, top players being Oliver Bjorkstrand and Derek Pouliot, who each had a goal and an assist, while Nick Patan recorded uh, three assists. Um, for the Blazers, it was uh, Chase Soto who led the way with two goals, while uh, Josh Connolly chipped in with two assists. So, um, you know, I didn't just pick this game out of the blue. This was a very important game because it was the start of an 11-game win streak that uh, lasted all the way to November 6th. So uh, that you know, that 11-game win streak really solidified how strong Portland was. They went on to win the U.S. division and uh, came one game. They lost to Edmonton in Game 7 of the WHO Finals, so one game of going back to the Memorial Cup. So that Portland team was pretty special, and as we've seen from some of the players that have come from that team, uh, they had reason to, uh, Portland fans had reason to be excited. Yeah. And um, uh, as you're saying, you know, it's 10 years ago. And as we talk about Portland being uh, the top ranked team in the whole CHL right now, uh, maybe there's a little bit of foreshadowing going on here as well. And uh, we'll see whether or not the uh, the Winterhawks can get on a, a streak like this and, uh, and make some magic um, as this year goes along. So uh, we'll leave that there for now. And with just a couple of minutes to go, we did uh, earmark some time for the uh, live Connor Bedard update, but uh, I would say we've been sprinkling the live Connor Bedard update throughout the podcast. So uh, just to recap, we're uh, it's almost the end of the second period as we're recording here and it's uh, it's two one for Pittsburgh, but uh, Bedard got the second assist on Chicago's most recent goal from his line mate, Ryan Donato, just out in front of the net there of Justin Jari. I'm wondering if he um, if he has ever shot on Jari before, too, because um, Jari is also a uh, uh, BC guy, but I know he lives mostly in Edmonton now. So I'm curious whether or not their paths have ever crossed with uh, some of those BC summer things that uh, Bedard started doing when he was like 12 years old or whatever. I wonder if he has a book on Jerry. That would be uh, that would be kind of hilarious for uh, for a greenhorn in his first NHL game. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm excited to see what Bedard can do this year. Uh, I've heard people say that he's going to have 50 goals. I in like 100 points. I don't want to underestimate him because we did that last year. Where we were like, oh, he's only going to have 11 points in three games, and then he would go off for you know 15. Uh, but I, I would, one thing I would say is that the NA, like as good as Bedard is, maybe just we calm, calm the expectations for at least, give him at least a week or two to, you know, get adjusted because playing, uh, against, you know, 16 year old defenders is a little bit different than playing against 30 year old defenders who have been, uh, in the NHL for seven, eight years. Um, but yeah, and pay attention to Kevin Korchinski in that game because, we love our uh, WHL guys. Um, so there's more than just Bedard in uh, Chicago to get a sky to belt. Absolutely. I am totally on board with that. Um, and also just in terms of, yeah, finding your way against the savvy veterans. Um, I feel like that shootout attempt against Marc-Andre Fleury really underscored that moment that, uh, you know, he's been able to dance in on uh, on WHL goalies that have uh, been frozen in their tracks at the sight of Bedard coming in and flower at his, uh, you know, twilight of his career, just sticks out the stick and is like, hey, there's no tripping pass in the shootout. Why not? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you talk about Marc-Andre Fleury, one of the most experienced players in 
in the NHL right now. He was drafted prior to Bedard being born. So I think he's uh he's seen his fair share of shooters, and I don't think an 18-year-old is gonna intimidate him very much. Uh that being said, I did watch that uh that little clip that you mentioned about uh Bedard and and, and Crosby having to answer sort of pop culture questions. And uh I did think that it was funny in the end that Bedard prevailed by a seven to six score. And when it was all said and done, he very much wanted to know what the results were. So uh even in something like that, uh his competitiveness came through and he did uh did manage to ace Crosby on that one. So uh it'll be interesting to uh to see how this game turns out. At least they're still in it here at the end of 40 minutes. So uh I will say we'll leave it there. Oh, yeah, oh, go ahead. One more thing I will say. Yeah. I'm a huge Sidney Crosby fan, but I was so disappointed that he did not know who the like the lead of NSYNC was. Like, I feel like that is something that Sidney Crosby should know. Uh, uh, uh. But like, I don't know. I just but just hearing like Crosby hear the word Riz and not understanding or like Bedard learning how to block calls on a phone uh, before, uh. you know, clicking a button that blocked calls it's just yeah. very it's just a lot of fun especially because there was a graphic that went up during the game that said like bedard was born 13 days before crosby was drafted into the nhl yeah. so yeah it was uh it was definitely a very cool video and kelly sutherland saying welcome to the nhl connor uh before the puck drop so it i think one last comment about bedard i think that maybe this game like at the end of this game, he's he's gonna be okay. Like I think it's it, there was a lot of buildup into this game, and I can't imagine what his nerves would lo- would be like. But I think that he's it, you know he's done everything correct up into this point. Even when he was surrounded by what forty media members today it looked like, he was yeah. still answering his questions. He was still doing even in training camp. He was still using if I make the team which we heard that if I get drafted by the Blackhawks first overall. So he still has that humble, even though he's, I, I would say, based off of the attention that he's got, he's one of the faces of the NHL at this point, even though, but even before he played a game, which is pretty insane to think of. I'm assuming that they probably like gave him the okay to go no bucket in the warm-up and not wear the yeah. helmet in the warm-up, even though that's against the rules now too. Um just to make sure that they get that face of the game out where everybody can see him in the situation. So I feel proud. I feel excited that we're getting to share our boy with the rest of the hockey world and uh and he's he's uh you know presenting himself so well. I think you're right about the nerves. I also think it's fantastic that Chicago is playing again on Wednesday night in in Boston. So um you know, it'll be right back into the fire. And, and, you know, if he can get some reps doing the thing that he likes the best, playing the actual hockey, I think that's going to be the best tool now for him to sort of assimilate and to, he's handled everything else so well. So uh, it's really cool to see. So uh, we will leave it there. And with any luck, he'll put up a whole bunch of points and we'll end up having to continue our Connor Bedard segment for all of the season as well. Uh, I wouldn't be mad if that was how it ended up happening. So uh, we'll leave it there with you for now. Uh, Thank you as always for listening. And if you haven't done so already, please make sure that you subscribe to THN on the dub on your favorite podcast platform. Check out past episodes of the show and all the others in our podcast family. You can go to thehockeynews.com slash podcast. Take care, enjoy the games, hockey's back, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week.